What does it take for a council to provide access to some of the biggest tourist attractions in Australia? And why is it important for councils to consider universal access in city planning? My name is Susan Wood and you're listening to Have the Nerve. This is the last podcast for season one, but never fear, we'll be back in 2022. Now that summer will be landing in the Southern Hemisphere and lockdowns in Australia have eased, I talked to Mike Sharoni, Project Officer for Waverley Council's Access Bondi. Bondi Beach is located in the east coast of Australia and is one of Australia's largest and most iconic beaches. Each year it draws millions of visitors. So why is it so important for tourist destinations to be accessible for all people of all abilities? We talk about how decent and suitable access can change society's perceptions, give people freedom of choice when they're going out, and how your input can encourage councils to make accessibility a priority. To have everybody included means that we do have to look at a whole range of elements. Now, popular place like Bondi Beach particularly, Bondi Junction is very popular, but Bondi Beach as well. And, and these have got a myriad of challenges, whether it be the natural environment, like we're talking about the sands moving and things like that, through to heritage listings, like everything you go to look at has a heritage listing. And you, you have to be prepared to fight for what you, what you want if you if you need to make a change. So inclusion's for everybody and, and it benefits everybody. Some people sort of look at this sometimes as being something we have to do or some sort of difficulty. I prefer to look at it as a great benefit. Now, we, we can't do everything all at once, and but we can start. And if we start, this is going to benefit everybody. And it's just a quick check that we have to do to go, are we ever going to be old? Are we ever going to have a permanent or temporary disability? This is going to benefit everybody. When people ordinarily think about Bondi Beach, which can have tens of thousands of people on that beach at any given time, people don't usually think about people with disabilities or people with mobility issues going on there. And I guess in so many ways, this is almost like trying to include this in the perception of how people see tourism, uh, especially when it comes to things like beach access and even getting on the beach and even getting close to the water. For me, early on, I was a little bit shocked by how pleased some people were that we'd put matting in, for example. We had one person when the Invictus Games was on, we, we rolled out some matting in the middle of Bondi and there was one person there that said they hadn't been on the beach in 20 years. Now it was an amputee. It was just such a shock and surprise to have somebody say, it wasn't that they didn't want to go to the beach. They just felt that they couldn't get onto the beach comfortably and with dignity. Now, whether that's the beach or whether that's the junction itself, it, it, it's about being able to get there, to be able to stay there as well. You know, once you get there, that's terrific. You've got to have a range of supporting facilities that go with that as well, that include everybody. Even everyday outings for people, for locals, People do not understand the amount of money that somebody who may have mobility issues actually will be spent in your cafes, will be spent in your retail, will be spent um, absolutely anywhere if you were to provide the correct access for people to be able to enter there in the first place. Absolutely. And that that's one of the guides that we recently put onto our website and it's called a Miss Business Guide. And, and you know, we, we forget that, that people have all different requirements and they often have money. And with the NDIS and other reasons, people suddenly have got money, more money to spend, that businesses will miss out on if they don't look at that opportunity. 
talking about one of the very major projects of uh, Waverley Council, which was the um, access ramp into the northern end of Bondi Beach and the beach matting that went along with it. What drove that project to happen? And what sort of research and analysis for people with disabilities did you do in the area? So the, that project itself has fallen into um, a project we now call Access Bondi. Um, initially, it was kicked off by Surf Life Saving New South Wales coming to us with a grant for innovation. And we, we initially looked around to try to see if we could do something with wayfinding and various other things, which would which would benefit everybody again. But it wasn't really anything that, that was that innovative that would, would in, improve inclusion but we knew we had a ramp at the northern end because the standard changed slightly it was it was not quite right um so it gave us an idea because we'd had beach wheelchairs that were sitting in the middle of the beach with no accessible ramp nearby and so lots of undignified possibilities that could happen when people wanted to borrow those two beach wheelchairs so when we got this money we we went back to surf life saving and said hey um it's not going to pay for it all but we would consider um, upgrading the ramp they said okay yes we will look at that then came the, the beach matting which goes hand in hand in and what we did was we developed um, self-access storage units to try to make this as easy a process as possible so people aren't you know needing to go to one location to pick up the beach wheelchairs and take them to a different location or previously if somebody did loan the the beach wheelchair it meant their wheelchair was sitting up on the promenade now nobody's going to take you wheelchair but you just don't know the last part was once you get there you're going to want to go to the toilet at some point as well accessible toilets mobility parking and we put in an accessible shower and hose off for the beach wheelchair so it became quite a good package that all came together quite well part of creating accessible communities is making sure you connect with the people who need the access mike explains the importance of lived experience of disability when developing projects like these Oh, invaluable. So um, we have an access committee that, that projects go past, and so they were certainly involved with this project. But we're always looking for people for that committee as well. It's always short members. So if people do um, live in the area or have some really strong connection to it, either live or work in the area, or have a really strong connection to disability possibly, it might be something that they might want to come and sit in on a particular meeting that they know um, they can come and talk about specific things, or they could actually apply to become a member of that access committee. Anybody that, as I said, has a, a connection to the Waverley area, either live in it, work in it, or have some strong connection can ask to be part of that committee. Um, but we are desperately looking for input from people, whether it be a one-off on a particular project or whether it's a, on an ongoing basis. So, um, yeah, look, I definitely encourage people to, to talk to us. And again, that's what Council's here for. Give us a call about any of the things that we talk about today. We're happy to give you more information. You can drop us an email if that's your preferred way of communicating. There, there's lots of different avenues on that front. So. Every council has to have a disability inclusion action plan. It's a plan that goes for five years and then it's renewed. And we're in that process at the moment of looking at the next five year period. Um, and, and it's important that people know that every council needs to do that. And you can actually go to their website and see it. We're not looking at this being something separate or, or different or a problem. We're looking at this as being a solution. So it's about inclusion. It's about getting to a point where we go, any one of us could be in a situation where we need some assistance if the world stays the way it is right now. But how about we make a world where people need, can be the most independent they can 
have, have a greater level of dignity as far as the choices that they can make. So, I mean, a big part of that is realising that people are missing out on those opportunities that many of us take for granted. And it's not fair that everybody can't participate. Brings us back round to, to, to the world where we're moving to a situation where we don't see it as an us and them and, you know, which it isn't. When you're implementing an access ramp or in implementing this particular project, what sort of accessibility challenges did you come across? The biggest ones might be right intentions versus practicality. Look, we, we had a really supportive partner in this that wanted to get a beach wheelchair that would go into the water. And it hasn't been a success in that the plan keeps getting compromised. Initially, they thought they would be able to put it out in the middle of the beach. Um, insurance issues, because these are all those little things that unfortunately everybody has to think about. In the end, um, the plan that they've come up with is is using it in, in the kids' pool. And I, I'm just disappointed for them. Um, it was a great idea, just the wrong beach. So this was a water-going wheelchair that had the right floaties and that, but you would have needed, I think, three to four people minimum and it would have to be what they call a pancake day, they tell me. <laughs> pancake day means that it's pretty flat. Un unfortunately, the way the beach is structured, people think it runs sort of, you know, south-north, but actually it doesn't. It's it's the other way. And it, it's got um, the winds blowing directly into it. So um, the sands move a lot, which caused us lots of problems. When we initially looked at the project, we designed a ramp. Now, we thought... The main thing that we had to deal with was the width of the ramp. So the beach wheelchairs are a certain width. We needed for it to be comfortable for people to be on there and the beach wheelchairs. So that's what we designed around. On going down to visit the beach, we realised that the sands moved a lot and that quite often a step um, was created if you didn't build a big enough skirt around the, the bottom of the ramp. In this instance, we wouldn't have been able to build a large enough skirt to allow for that sand movement. So what we did was um, it was designed with a switchback. So what that means is you go down the ramp, but then it reverses and you come back up. For our beach mat, we would never put it at the bottom. The tide comes in to that point quite regularly. When they rebuilt the ramp, the sands got built up as well, not, not by anybody deliberately doing that, by just the way that the sands move. And it actually covered the switchback. Now, we never anticipated that. So, But the bottom of it, of the ramp quite often disappears. That's okay. The mat just comes and slams down on top of it and people can roll straight onto it. But, but that moving sand is, 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 a, is a huge issue for us. We, we sometimes can have a tide of, you know, 1.2 metres up to a really king high tide of 1.95 in the height. Now, that doesn't sound a lot, <clears throat> but on a beach, it, it's, it's quite a big difference. So that water comes in around the bottom of the ramp. So the switchback was the ideal. Accessibility and inclusion in city planning involves disabled parking. On the day of the launch for the ramp at Bondi Beach, an event that was around access and disability with people with mobility issues coming to test out the beach, the beach mat and the ramp, they were allowed to allocate four parking places. So what is it exactly that makes you go, I like, I, we can delegate four instead of saying ten, for example? What I suspect is it's like most things, there'd be a, a quota, a, a sort of a ratio. It's the other thing is that literally 
every park becomes an accessible park if you can take it and it's in the right spot. They're not going to let us take 10 spots. They're going to say person really just needs to come and turn up. But look, it is something where particularly the more permanent mobility parking as opposed to just an event parking, um, there is going to be a ratio and it is going to be based on people actually expressing a need um, for that parking. So that's where I do say it's important for people to speak up. Mobility parking or disabled parking and its availability is an ongoing concern for drivers and passengers with a disability. In November this year, SCIA and NRMA teamed up as part of a road safety series on a report called Where Do I Park? In New South Wales, individual mobility permits increased from approximately 250,000 in the mid-2000s to nearly 400,000 within 2020 to 2021. For people to be able to travel, whether local or interstate, it's important that there is a continuous improvement toward universal design. Quite often a mobility parking spot isn't designated to a person, but it's put in because a person asked for it. Um, so it is, it is important to, to let council know where you are and that you might need that. You know, it can't hurt and they can put it into their plan. We can't make assumptions. The, the person with the mobility issue might be the driver or might be the passenger. You don't know. People are getting fantastic new ways of being independent. Certainly, I know with my friend, he, he but he's been driving himself around pretty much after the first couple of years, you know, and he's now got one of those smart drives. And, we're, you know, things are improving all the time with technology and so forth. But we've got to have an infrastructure that actually caters to, to that as well, is that there's no point getting somewhere and going, I can't get out of the car. Have you dealt with misuse of the ramp or the facilities and how do you go about trying to monitor that? Yeah, that was a tricky one. Right, right from day one, people started parking their prams on the ramp which they'd never done before with the previous ramp. It was narrows to the point that they just didn't didn't do it. So now we've got this widened ramp. There's no beach wheelchair going past two prams. So we had to put up some educational signs just to try to encourage people to see that it actually was an access ramp and it wasn't actually, it wasn't actually designed for them to park their prams on. And we now know that we need to do a different project, a smaller project around that. So there's lots of little things that, um, that crop up when you start to go down this pathway. For example, um, charging points. We realised that that was going to become an issue. You know, if they were going to start coming to the beach more often, might run out of power if they had a powered wheelchair. I, I, I guess I, it is frustrating when things don't go to plan. I can think of many um, times when curb ramps have been put in and they've been put in by people that just are building curb ramps. They're not thinking about people using them and you will end up with angles that um, basically throw people into traffic or you can't get up them. You know, so it, it is it is something where we have looked at that and we've put information into the, the manual that the people that install curb ramps look at to say, when you're, when you're doing this, you really need to look at the gradient. You really look, need to look at the direction that you're pointing it in. Um, if, if, you're, if you've got something that, for whatever reason, has to have a, a reasonable gradient on it, don't have it so that it's it's pushing people straight into traffic. Is there any is there anything that newly established businesses can do? If a business wanted to say use a ramp, have a ramp outside their facility, at least for Waverley Council, what do you have to do to make that happen? So that mixed business guide does have some practical tips in there. 
Um, it, it Look, it all is about just common sense to some extent. And people say to me, oh, yeah, but common sense is not what you imagine and how do I know I don't have any experience in this? Um, and that's fine. Give us a call. We'll, we'll talk you through it. A lot of the time when we talk about disability awareness, it is really about taking that word away and going, yes, this is a person with a disability, but this is a person. <laughs> I can ask them what they need. It's very rare that someone's not going to tell you before. So if, you, if, you, if you're about to embark on a, on a business, do it at the start before you get too far in. It'll be much easier to do before you've started putting things in places and now you need to move them or widen or whatever. The bare minimum, I think, for a business is for the person to be able to get in the front door easily and to a cash register or a point of information, at least, where they can say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. If, if you're a cafe or a business, again, it's just really straightforward. Just have a couple of tables that are, have got that space and be conscious of that. Great having an accessible toilet. If you don't have a clear pathway so that people can get to it easily, shouldn't have bothered. People will be able to just access wherever and maybe not have to go around the back in order to get in. And, and how often do we find even relatively new buildings that will you'll, you'll, you'll go to the set of stairs to get in and you'll see a little plaque on the side that says um, disability access is through the rear. And it's like, honestly, did we not have the technology when we built this to to make a, a ramp? Or City of Sydney were very good at one point. They... Um, they, I don't know if this is an absolute requirement, but many businesses were encouraged to put chairlifts in. And you, and you begin to realise um, if it's designed from the start, how smaller adjustment that is. Now, when, when we do look at um, universal access, it wouldn't be like that. It would actually be better pathways. We wouldn't necessarily have a stairlift. We would design it better so that there was an actual path that, that people could follow to get in. And that's just... Having a little bit of think about when you're designing a building is how do we just keep those those areas flowing because that actually provides everybody with really good access. Um, people use walking sticks, people use walkers, people use a whole range of things that stairs are not fantastic for. So if we think about everybody, we're, we're, we're back to that point one again where we go, yes, this benefits everybody. We've had this NDIS for quite a number of years now. And uh, how has the NDIS impacted council decisions? Oh, one of the fantastic opportunities that the NDIS does give is giving people that ability to participate, to be out in the community. So it's, it's meant that some of the barrier has been removed. People now have support to get out into the community. When they get out into that community, we need to know that they're not going to get halfway along a path and find a step that they can't get up. A pathway with one step is a, a barrier. It's, it's as, use, as useless as a set of stairs, basically. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's those things that we can very easily overlook. And I think every council now is needing to be, through, the, through their Disability Inclusion Action Plan, needing to be aware of those barriers. And, and it is, it's, it's a range of, we, we look at physical disability, but we do look at all the other range of disabilities, whether it's around um, vision issues or um, um, autism, you know, like it really is quite a wide field that we need to look at and say, listen, everybody needs a fair shake in the, in this situation. And, and that's terrific because it, it takes away that deserving sort of tag that things seem to get, oh, oh, well, we've got to do that for them because they deserve it. 
you know, it's like everybody deserves it. We all deserve respect. You know, it's the minimum. Part of the education around access and disability is actually seeing people within your community with a disability. Mike shared the moment he realised society isn't built for people with mobility issues. Um, I can tell you right from when I went to school, I, I went to school in Queensland and we, when juniors went, went to high school, they had seniors that would come along to the morning meeting. I remember running into one of my seniors a few years after I left school and he had done a degree in teaching and had gone out to celebrate when he finished his degree and had an accident and ended up needing to use a wheelchair. Particularly at that early age, watching somebody who was quite physically, you know, very physically fit, to be honest, in a situation where he now had trouble. This was rural Queensland and he would have had a lot of problems getting into many of the different buildings, particularly in Queensland, because they tend to build them on still. Immediately use striking barriers. Through to, I have, I have a friend now that um, had an accident. It's quite common. I mean, you know, touch, your touch wouldn't go, look, I hope I never... Um, have an accident that that does something that's that drastic, but we've all lived in that world where it's a possibility. Um, and he's been using a wheelchair for I'd say close to fifteen years now. But he he's gets along and is independent, and he's come across you know lots of barriers where he's had to either throw his hands up and go, "Oh, we'll stuff it on going home," through to now him being a little bit more confident to say, "Hey, listen, what arrangements have you got?" And most places do, but it is about talking up. I guess this is where I'm going with this is you do need to tell businesses. You do need to tell councils. If people don't have their opinion heard, you you run the risk of missing out. Email, call, whatever it is, however you like to do that, let people know. A lot of the stuff that council does, does need to get approval and go, to go through different, different um, processes and they can take time. For the ramp, we had to get a heritage exemption so that we could work on that. They are worth the effort um, and, and it does need the public support. So never think that bringing things up is a problem. It actually sometimes supports what it is that we're trying to do. You're listening to Have The Nerve, a podcast by Spinal Cord Injuries Australia. We've included information about Access, Bondi and Waverley Council in our show notes. There's also a link to the report with the NRMA about mobility parking called Where Do I Park? As I said in the beginning, this is the last episode for 2021, but we'll be back for 2022. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or LinkedIn if you want to keep updated. We want to make the podcast as accessible as possible. So if you know someone who hasn't access to a streaming service and would like to listen to our podcast, you can find us on our YouTube channel with all of our episodes in its entirety. And if you'd like to know more about SCIA and our support services, head to scia.org.au. Thank you for listening.